Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paltz. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, trying to survive the, the massive heat wave that's, like, hitting everybody right now. Yeah, it's even hitting us up here in Alaska, because it is so freaking hot here. Yeah, yeah. I was <clears> talking <throat> to a friend of mine who lives in Arizona, and they were like, today, and they were like, oh, yeah, we've been over 120, like, every day for about a month now i was like oh boy yeah well yeah between that yeah between that and also i like stumbled across the ufo hearings again uh today on youtube and at first i was like wait a minute i thought there was that was only one day but then i realized it was this it was another channel just basically like putting it on a loop but they had this like thing where it was like CNN dash whatever news 18 live and it had the live, you know, thing on, on, on YouTube. And I was just like, Oh, Oh, this is like day two. I like jumped to Twitter real fast. Cause I mean, yesterday it was like, you know, top topic, but yeah, but it was just a repeat. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not hear do any of that. Um, I saw bits and pieces on social media of just people reacting. And I saw mm. thumbnails of various podcast people talking about it. Um, yeah. But I didn't watch any of it. I know nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Yeah. I, I, yeah. If anybody follows me on social as far as their listeners and stuff, I mean, or if it's your first time listening, yeah, I was, I was pondering things openly last night about like having just like this existential, like, thoughts about okay we got this ufo hearing and so like the star trek side of me we're thinking aliens most aliens maybe are good or i guess they're not human people are good maybe unless they're klingons or romulans and i was like okay and then there's like the side of me that you know you know and they were i know we're talking about oppenheimer tonight and all the things that were transpiring in that movie and and then i was just like uh yeah i think the, the worst the worst case scenarios so <laughs> well, we're not just talking about oppenheimer but we're also going to talk about the uh final episode of um yeah. secret invasion which yeah. i mean to your point also plays into that conundrum just mm-hmm. take out star trek and put in secret secret invasion um especially yeah. given the premise of that final episode yeah um but but yeah, I, I was not doing that last night. Um, and this week I have, I don't really know what happened at Comic Con. Yeah. I, I started the weekend knowing that it was going on and I ended the weekend thinking to myself, did Comic Con happen? <laughs> did it happen? Cause it there, I mean, there were yeah. a few things. I mean, we're going to talk about a few things. Um, but but still, it's just it's not the Comic Con of years past. Yeah. In any way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so part of it is what we all expected was going to happen at Comic Con, which is Invincible season two has been confirmed that the first four episodes of the eight of <laughs> they're dropping half of the season on the first day. <laughs> No, 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 no. So, um, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's see yeah that. It is. Yeah, they are. That's right. Yeah, they are dropping the first four on the on November third. I, I was thinking about the. Uh, I was thinking about the boys there for a moment. My bad. Premiere in early. Oh, okay. So yeah. on November third, they're gonna drop. 
four episodes. Yeah. Then wait until an unknown date in 2024. Guys, 2024 is next year, by the way. An unknown date, but it should be early, so likely it'll be the end of March. Yeah. Um, they're going to drop the last four episodes of this season. What the fuck? Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, looking at you, DC Titans and uh, Doom Patrol, which we're still waiting for the second half of, this, of like, uh, the final season. Like, I, I, you know, we are notorious for back in the day watching CW shows and always complaining about the breaks. Yeah. This is a whole new level of scheduling to we've already when when did Invis- Invincible season 1 drop? It was 2021, I believe. Years ago. Yeah. Years yeah, it's been ago. a while. It's been a while. Yeah, and now we're going to get the second season. Yeah, we're not going to get the full second season. We're going to get half of it on one day, only to get another half of it on some day next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't but, write stuff. But on the plus side, there was a there, the, at least they were able to get the voice work in for the third season before the strike. So there well, is that. But at this rate, I'm not expecting the third season until 2026, Will. Yeah, like, for, at yeah. the rate they're dropping these things. And and maybe these episodes are going to be like an hour and a half long, two yeah. hours long. And so, because I did, while I was waiting for you, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I did see on the rundown, I was like, oh, yeah, I need to watch that trailer. So I watched the trailer, and I did see the, like, 40 seconds just dedicated to listing all of the actors that mm-hmm. are doing voice work, yeah. including Sterling K. Brown. I hear you. Got it. Um, and, and, and for them to get that many people involved, I, the writing's going to be there. Yeah. It's just my patience where I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> true. Very, very true. Yeah. I know the, the, the writing, the acting, the voice actors, I mean, it was just like, I felt like this is like the year of just like getting all this talent, A-list talent in like multiple project in, in a project, and multiple names. It was, it literally was like starring season two with, and then like you said, Sterling Clay Brown and then, and then it looked another screen and more people. And of course, they have Peter Cullen, who, of course, everyone is very familiar with, uh, you know, doing the voice of Optimus Prime. So, yeah, and and, and of course, they 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 end it beautifully with J.K. Simmons as Omni Man, which you know, which was a perfect way to end that trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I I I liked the trailer. The trailer reminded me. Like why I enjoyed the first season of Invincible without mm-hmm. giving away the entire plot of the second season. Um, I'm just I'm just kind of annoyed with this release half now, um, especially with everything that's going on with Hollywood writers and actors right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess that's probably the reason why they're just like we're gonna release it sometime next year (laughs) because they're gonna want these actors they got all of these a-list actors to voice 
to be a part of this project. They want them out there talking to the media mm-hmm. about it. So mm-hmm. they're probably that's probably why they've done this split. Um which I mean at this rate we should be just thankful we're getting a single episode. But yeah, true, um, true. Yeah. You, I mean yeah, yeah. You also let me know that um on Amazon right now um, people who are dying for invincible content. Um, Adam Eve's origin story is available to watch. Yeah. Yep, it dropped. Uh, this it dropped during Comic Con, and uh, yeah, they, they they it is available now, and uh, so it'll be kind of your uh, what your appetite uh, while we wait for season two of the main show to return. Now, can you remind me because as you reminded me earlier it's been years since we saw season one who the heck is adam eve (laughs) adam eve she was one of the the teen remember they had the group of teen heroes and so she was she was one of the one of the members of that of that group because they had the whole training mod you know she was i think she she was i think her boyfriend was one of the other um, I can't remember, remember the character's name, but, uh, but basically you know, she, she was helping, um, Invincible to like learn how to become the, the whole superhero game. Whenever he came, whenever, he, whenever he figured out his powers and stuff. So, but that's, oh. yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't remember any of that, but. Uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's been a while. I mean, I mean, a part part of the reason why the season two is delayed, of, like with everything, COVID, of course, you know, fucked with everything. So that's part of the reason why, with protocols and stuff, they just had to, you know, it took them a while to do all, uh, pull all this together and 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 all. But uh, but yeah, but hopefully the gap between seasons two and three will not be as long. But of course, you know, with the strike strikes. You know, all bets are any, you know, anything's possible at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess it did very well at Comic Con. Definitely. We Star Trek fans were, were feasting over the last, uh, last week because we had our normal drop of uh, our episode on Thursday. Then on Friday of last week at Comic-Con, there was a, a panel celebrating the 50th anniversary of the animated series um, that, that with the original series crew, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, et cetera. Uh, and, and one of the things that they uh, unveiled during that celebration of the animated series is they're going to be doing that same animation treatment to some characters and some of the more recent Star Trek shows uh, Will, Will Riker uh, from Next Generation, uh, Quark from DS9, so Armin Shimmerman, who, uh, uh, plays that character will be, uh, voicing Quark and a sh- little short, they're doing, they're putting together little shorts for, within, within the filmation animation style. And then, uh, Saru, who's, uh, portrayed by, uh, Doug Jones, which, um, he, uh, it will be in, in that as well. So we got that. And then on Saturday, they had their big panel in Hall H, I believe, and uh, dropped the uh, five-minute trailer, well, preview for season, the final season of Star Trek Discovery, which will also air in early 
2024. And so we have that. Uh, we also got, um, the, uh, trailer for season four of Star Trek Lower Decks, which is the, uh, one of the animated shows that's on Paramount Plus right now. Uh, that, that season premiere will be September the 7th. And they also dropped a poster, uh, for that, uh, show. And, and one of the things that Lower Decks does with their, their key art, they always have homage, homages back to, um, back to the original series, uh, cast films. So this one was in the theme of Star Trek four, the one with the Wells. And so we got that. And then also we, um, did get some news on Star Trek Prodigy. Of course, that was the other animated series on Paramount Plus that got dropped by Paramount Plus, but, uh, but then it got, they got completely pulled from Paramount Plus and the second half of the first season was not available anywhere, but, uh, we got word that it did get released. The rest of the season one was released on physical media and also got picked up by some other streaming services. I can't remember which ones right now, but you can find it, uh, on if you, um, not on Paramount Plus, but other other potential platforms uh, to to watch the back half of uh, season one for Star Trek Prodigy, and then the big thing that did happen also was they planned to just show to people who are attending Comic Con uh, the crossover episode between Strange New Worlds, which is on right now, and Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, but not only did they show it to the folks at Comic Con, but they dropped it early. And all of Star Trek fandom lost this shit because we, we were feast, we were loving the fact that, you know, this was an episode that folks have been looking forward to since last Comic Con and it was an amazing episode. So, uh, I definitely did a, my usual reviews on it. So go check it out. Um, if you want to see what my thoughts of it was in, in depth. Uh, but, uh, other than just the simple fact that I love the episode, but, uh, so yeah, we were definitely feasting over the weekend. Yeah. And follow Will's account. He set up another account for, um, Star Trek talk. Um, so I don't have the handle in front of me. Yeah. It's, uh, SNN blurred Trek. So, yeah. So basically the, our Star Trek, Centric stuff is uh Cena Nerd presents Blur Trek. So try not to Yeah. And no. and for those who have been longtime listeners and we know your handles on Twitter, Will's check in because I got yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> I got yelled at. And so if I'm getting yelled at, y'all better be following that account. <laughs> Yeah. We'll be I'm not going, I'm not going to put it on threads either. It's some, you know, some sick, we're staying with the sinking ship of that was Twitter or whatever the hell Elon decides to call it these days. Oh, <laughs> um, all right. So, so I'm glad that your comic con was just heavy with gifts, um, in yeah. Star Trek and, and joy. I did not watch the next trailer um, yeah. for Gen V. Um, did you? I watched it. I didn't watch it with the, I guess, the Comic Con presentation. I did watch it a couple of days ago. You know, it it it's, it definitely had the vibe of the boys. Um, you know, clearly, is it set in that universe? And um, it, it, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it drops. I want to say in September. What was it, around the 28th? I think. 
um, or 29th, I want to say there somewhere thereabouts, but, um, but yeah, it's one of those things. It'll hopefully, you know, fill the, the boys fix for, for now. And, um, one other thing from Comic-Con that I, uh, also was, was pretty, pretty cool because of the studios not being there, uh, was this whole project K, uh, which, uh, which is Kalki 2989. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, um, first time that, uh, it's a epic sci-fi Indian Bollywood sci-fi movie, uh, that got, the Hall H treatment. And I did watch the trailer and it speaks, uh, it, it, it looks pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. I have to say, uh, it's inspired by a lot of, a lot of genre things. It's apparently the highest budgeted film ever, uh, for, you know, production budget for, for Indian film. And, uh, you know, I know, um, uh, you know, Indian cinema, and I know you like follow like, you know, Korean cinema and, and K-pop and K-entertainment on, on Netflix. So it's just great to see some of these other projects get exposure, um, you know, at Comic-Con and the place. Yeah. I did watch that trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will be honest. It looks like a low budget sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. But it did look, um, there was something very, um, I don't know. It, it just, it looks like something where if you like sci-fi TV shows, mm-hmm. um, then it, I, it's, there was something appealing there. Yeah. Um, it, it did have, it did seem to have a unique voice mm-hmm. to it. Um, despite me, um, me just staring at the sets been like, I feel like I've seen these sets in at least 10 other movies when yeah. I was a kid, <laughs> <laughs> but there's only so much you can do. So, yeah. so it, it looked, I don't know if I would use the word good, um, but it looked intriguing. Um, yeah. and like what you were saying, something different, yeah. um, to in that, in that same familiar space, like it's different, but it, there's, also familiarity there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so I think it's coming out in early 2024 as well. I want to say January. So, uh, yeah, so I'll definitely probably check it out uh, because, you know, after I'm looking for, okay, I'm getting a little franchise fatigue as far as some of the sameness of some of, of a certain franchise that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, so it, for me, it was like, even though, you know, special effects wise and stuff, it may not be like what we're used to with you know, good special with, with here with some American productions. Uh, it, 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 had, it definitely had, I guess, a freshness to it that, um, that like you said, it was definitely, that definitely colored me intrigued. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> to go into the next topic, um, where we talk about Star Wars, which is definitely a franchise that I do find myself erring on the side of fatigue and just too much, um, too many different things going on, um, and, and often hit or miss, mm. um, as we have Donald Glover and his brother Stephen Glover are set to write the Lando series, of course, after the strike. 
after yeah. the strike. Um, that will be, of course, set to air on Disney Plus probably in 2035. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> the way negotiations are going, that's probably will be the case. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's. I. I mean, a part of me is like, oh, okay. But another part of me, I just get haunted by Boba Fett so much mm. that we and with Star Wars, we over the years, we've gotten so many announcements and so many times it's like a quarter of them actually happen mm-hmm. or maybe more than that. I'm not sure. I think they probably have better odds than a DC film at this point. Granted, James Gunn is writing the ship. Um but still, I think I also have very not a lot of trust. Like, mm-hmm. like for all we know, he's going to start. They're going to start. And then by the point in time when it actually gets underway after the first two episodes, we'll suddenly like this wasn't our vision. Goodbye. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. When I heard this, cause I, this was uh, news that was broken by, you know, I have to give all credit to Jeff Snyder. Um, and it's above the line publication. So, you know, so it was actually, it wasn't some rando Reddit thread. It was, you know, it was from a legit journal, entertainment right. journalist. And, you know, I, I could, you know, of course, you know, this is Lando from Solo. And of course, you know, Solo's, you know, that first thing that came to mind was, and even when he and John Roca were talking about it in Hot Mike was Solo and what Kathleen Kennedy did with, uh, Lord Miller, because she didn't like the tone that they were taking the series, uh, the film. And, you know, what, you know, and the, the question, you're right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if, if, if she doesn't like what Donald and Steven are doing now, you know, it'll be interesting because given that Donald is the star of this series, uh, but, you know, will she change writers in the middle of it? If the tone doesn't set what they, what, what she, you know, she feels is the appropriate Tone for a Star Wars project. So now, granted, she's she's had some bangers with a lot of billion dollar films, so she clearly knows what she's doing. Uh, but but you're but that, that's the thing that that as you noted that uh, sometimes does give me pause with Star Wars because we we have gotten so many things announced. But one thing that they I will say at least the, even though Mando season three wasn't the best, um, you know they they've had overall. Better track, well, yeah, even with, even with Book of Boba Fett, a little bit better track record than Marvel is lately on the TV yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we shall see eventually. Um, yeah. but to more, to go back to the talk about fatigue and franchises, um, we can now get to what you were alluding to before is, um, Secret Invasion has wrapped in its Sixth episode. Is this the shortest episode of the season? The last two were, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't understand that. I, I, every episode felt like it kept getting shorter and mm-hmm. shorter and shorter. It did. it did. Um, granted, this episode, I think overall probably ranks in the upper, the better half of the season. Um, I think I, I think this show kind of fell in the middle mm-hmm. um, with the middle episodes. It started strong. I think it ended near it ended in a weird way there. there 
as much as I'm okay with this episode in comparison to previous ones, I still have issues with it. Um, yeah, I, ha- I have issues. Will doesn't want to talk about this show. <laughs> well, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It, it you know, the theme uh, that came across is sort of like basically what, what, what Garvick was saying with Nick Fury. You've, and at the end of the day, you promised us a lot, but delivered very little. And I was just like, man, when I heard him talk about that line in the, in the in, in universe, I was like, that's how I feel about this show. It promised so much and it had so many elements and, 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 but it just didn't deliver. And, and, it, and all, and, and what's so frustrating about it is it started out, like you said, very strong. And then the middle, this, this the bottom just sort of felt, just kind of fell. And, and I, I, I was very underwhelmed by the finale. I, I'm just going to be honest. I, right. and it, it, and all the things that you and I've talked about with this show, um, it reared its head again in, in the finale from the, you know, with, and we can, we can, well, just like I'll use use one example. Um, the whole speech there at the beginning with with Gravik and and quote air quote Nick. Um, you know, you have this great great piece. You know, and, and really and honestly, I wish they had like had Gravik like sh- share that whole sequence as far as how he, earlier in the series because then it would have made more sense as far as like I mean they touched on it, but. But he has that speech, and then we find out that actually it's Gaia who's who's masquerading as Nick Fury, and it goes back to the thing I had too with like you know I'll beat this horse to death I know, but with Nick and, and Rhodey and and the discussion that they had as far as you know their approaches to being two successful black men, and right. it, it, and and it, and and it, and, it, and you have that moment there where you're, you're talking about how Nick failed and everything, and he you know and Nick air quote Nick like retorts. But it's but it's not Nick. It's it's Gaia, and and so it just undercuts. Wait, 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 oh, wait. Yeah. The roadie scene. It is Nick, but but it's not roadie. But it's, it's not, not roadie. Okay, you said you you were talking about that scene and then said it wasn't Nick, and I was like, no. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but then you was. go to yeah. But then you go to the finale. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just so yeah. I'm just so I, wound I up. I'm, yeah. I'm so wound up about this now because I'm just it just it, it's you're you're right. Like. In comparison to both of those, um, they're very similar issues. Uh, I had less of an issue with Gaia, partly because um, I did, I wasn't thinking that it wasn't Nick. Um, and so I, I liked the reveal in that sense, mm. um, especially with everything else that was going on. Like this episode, I wasn't overthinking anything or spending too much time outside of it. I was just annoyed by a lot of the decisions at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was less annoyed with that, but your whole point about Rhodey spot on because it's not just that that wasn't Rhodey. Everything he did in Captain in um, Falcon and Winter Soldier wasn't mm-hmm. Rhodey. Everything mm-hmm. he's done since Civil War wasn't Rhodey. Yet, yet, 
Was it Civil War or Endgame? I, yeah, that's the other that's the other thing too. But that, that's yeah. <laughs> right, but it's yeah. very clear that until the third episode of this season, he doesn't realize he's a scroll. Like he's not a scroll pretending to be Rhodey until the third episode of the season, mm-hmm. and that's what pisses me off. Mm-hmm. It it. <sighs> It would have been more impactful. It would have been more like, this is why we like Marvel is because they plant things like way out there and then you see them come to fruition. Like nobody's ever been like, oh, I bet you wrote a scroll ever. Not until this season. And even then it took till the third episode because he literally started acting differently Mm -hmm. and which just begs the question. Why in that episode and for the rest of the season was he acting so differently if since Civil War he has apparently been a scroll? Like he would have been acting the same way. Exactly. So it's just it's just a very annoying thing to put out there. Um and and it, it didn't it wasn't even like it didn't come to realization in a very prominent way. Like mm-hmm. it's, it reminds me of Talos's death. Yep. yep. <laughs> it just happens. You're like, what? Okay. Yep. <laughs> this this whole show has a way of the of these reveals just just falling straight flat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a tone deficit this show yeah 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 there's just like it's just like we're just it's just we'll throw concepts and things up on the screen just to like you know and and, but they fall they don't they they, there's no cohesive like there's no cohesion to it i guess i mean what makes a what makes a spy thriller or really work is you know, like you said, you, you set things up and you, and you, and you have a, co- a rationale and a cohesion to it. And, and, and it just, and, and that it makes logical sense that A, B, and C happen. But it just like went from A to C and there's nothing in, there in the middle to like, like, wait a minute. Um, you missed something. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's I, I would say, I don't think that there's not a lot of cohesion. I actually think there's a lot of cohesion. There's too much cohesion. And there's also, but it's also so surface mm. that it's just, well, well, you, you, you could bring up all these points about immigration, refugees. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you, you touch it, but then it's like you get burned and you're like, but we're not going to actually delve deep into that. Yeah. You, you could have told a very, a very beautiful love story between Fury and his wife. Yet it took you a few episodes to introduce her. Mm-hmm. And then half the time, and then an episode where you're left wondering, Oh, is she working for graphic? Like, what is this relationship? And then we have this episode. Okay. With this finale, this is what yeah. pissed me off. Um, I know I'm very strange, but the, <laughs> the first bullet I wrote down, well, yeah, technically, 
um, is I was like, this is a great conversation between Bar and Fury. They're having it over the phone. It's like, I'm going to let you go now. And her response is, you know, you don't have to if you don't want to, darling. And I was like, there, that is, that is a very clever way of being like talking about something, mm-hmm. but not talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like very clever. Yeah. And then they, they just, Throughout the good dialogue for the ending, which was very confusing for me because they reunite. He comes home. And then he says, I'm here. I forget exactly what he says, but he says something along the lines of, well, I'm here to say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Beg for forgiveness. But I got a peace out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> What and then she goes to him in the cornfield with the space shuttle and and she finally they kiss but she's in her real scroll form and I'm like what the fuck yeah yeah because yeah there was so many things they could have mined there with their relationship and it, and you're right it, everything was surface like to your point of that I'm glad you brought up about the uh, the immigration and. Mm-hmm. And, and the, and, and that story and, and, and the, and now in this episode now, because, you know, the president, because he was like duped by this, by this fake roadie all these years, he, you know, he goes from, you know, from point A to now we're just, he's just going full on, let's build the wall. <laughs> and so, and which again, it's like, wait a minute. So, so a couple things there. And, you know, I don't know if it was intentional that they did it that way, the, the yeah. show, yeah. <laughs> or, or it was just kind of like, or they, to show how irrational and how extreme, or if it was poor, or, or, or if it was just poor writing. Because if it's poor writing, because, because, because now you're over, if you're going that way, then you got a, you got new Asgard that's like, hanging out there in Norway, um, you know, and, and all, you know, what? a good number of the Avengers and who, you know, so, so is Thor not welcome now. Is, okay. Okay. Is, so you're, you're talking specifically about the president's hate speech. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how you're wondering if, if it's poor writing because it was such a, like a left turn for that character to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Or I, was, I just, yeah. Or what? Yeah. Or was this intent? What? Or you know, because of all you know, was this what they were building towards with this story, which right. is like it was an well, intentional, intentional thing by by Ritson that you know, and you know, and given that to your point about everything is connected, you know, you know, we do know down the line, yes. Thunder, yeah. you know. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross does become president. So is this, yeah. le- is this, is this sort of leading to the way where Harrison Ford, you know, can, you know, come back and play, you know, another president so they can say, get off my plane, you know, so. Wait, but, hmm. But since I think, I think it's like, as, you, as you're talking about it, my mind is spinning because because yeah, I was gonna bring up the Thunderbolt Ross thing too. That's gonna happen in the next Captain America um, mm-hmm. movie. But there's also um, Iron Wars. 
Got Ironheart. Yep. Iron- the, yep. Yeah. But there's is but they're two separate things, right? There's yeah. Ironheart mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's Armor Wars. And yep. Armor Wars, I'm led to believe is gonna like be Rhodey's like redemption thing. Yeah. Um which which could also also this whole the the president and what happens to him during this final episode and why he um after through through the events of this episode he declares war on scrolls and i.e. potentially all aliens yeah um and which which might also lead into the political context of armor wars yeah so so you know i i don't think it's i i i think to answer your question, Will, I think it is intentional, but I do think the writing itself was a bit sloppy because as a viewer, like up until this point, the president has never really seemed like so trigger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it just it was a very it's very weird. But then again, he he might have had like concussion going on. He was just in a serious car yeah. accident. Yeah. He did witness like his right hand man like get shoot, shot in the head and then turn into an entirely different creature. I mean, PTSD. Yeah. I I think they should have just like had him resign because after witnessing all of that, yeah, the person's gonna be a little yeah. crazy. Yeah, but yeah, but. And, and, and to, you know, and, and I think you. Thanks for answering my question. I mean, I think you are right. I think it is intentional, especially given what we know to come down the line. And maybe the Marvels will be where they will start. Hope maybe assuming that the right hand is knowing what the left hand is doing, they will clean up what he actually meant by with this with this act of you can you know. Kicking war, we do, you know, war against any aliens on earth. I mean, basically, you got to go. Um, because, I mean, because it does raise, like I said, you know, there's new Asgard and other people who are, who have been friendly to this point. Um, of course, and now, of course, they conveniently say that the the decree and the scroll are, are, are are brokering for peace. So maybe the Marvels will, 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 will tease that out and, and, and clarify that because otherwise we're, we're going to have, you know, I don't know how Valkyrie's going to be able to stay on earth and the, and the Asgardians if, if, if to take this to its logical conclusion. Right. But you also have to remember there's, there's the, uh, the aliens that look like people and then there's the aliens that look not like people. So I think it's the not like people. Granted, a bunch of people looking like people did get killed because of just the suspicion that they were a scroll because they had been because they were the pod people. But, but all of that aside, what, what I still want answered that was very surface level throughout this entire season was mm-hmm. uh, why did the snap fuck up Fury so much? Mm-hmm. We okay. never got an answer. Yeah. Why he come down? He come down running saying, mm-hmm. I'm here to save y'all. I'm here to save y'all. What? You decided to make a home on my planet? Yes, we did. Yeah. We're going to get scroll superpowers. 
No, you're not. Yeah. Goodbye, yeah. guys. You're yeah. still going to be on my plane. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and that's and that goes back to my original point. That's why I thought that it undercut everything there where he, you know, because I was like, and I, and I guess I was, I, I was think I didn't even, didn't dawn on me to think that that was guy uh, playing Nick there in that moment. I was really, I was like, finally we get this confrontation between the two of them. And, you know, and, he, and Nick gives his speech and he talks about the snap, the blip and how it in fact impacted him was about, you know, as far as like, Right before I, right before I flipped away, I was relieved because I, this responsibility is no more. And it was all undercut because it wasn't really him giving that speech, you know? But, but even, even if that's what he actually felt, even if it had been, that wasn't, wouldn't be enough for me. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, Yeah. continue. (laughs) Because I, I don't care about what you felt when you left. I care about why you did what you did when you came back. Like, and also why you and your wife have this weird no ring ring policy and, and you seem to use it willy nilly and you're, I don't, I don't understand. There's so many things about this that I don't understand. Um, but it's weird because I want to say a lot of this is color by number mm-hmm. um, storytelling, but it's just it's just I guess at the end of the day, my overall review of this season would be it's just sloppy. Yeah. Um. And and they they do the minimal. They yeah. do the bare minimal with the character developments, bare minimum with the with the plot. But in hindsight, I will be curious um, if if this show in retrospect becomes better mm. because of what they do with some of these threads that we have already talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the yeah. I mean, it has a it has potential to be redeemed for sure right. down down the line. It does, but but right now, as I, to, to disclose my thoughts on it. Uh, it, the, it just it promised a lot, but but failed to deliver, and and that's and for now that's that's what I have to say about Secret Invasion. Yeah, um, because what Will really wants to talk about right now is Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, he well. said I was wound up about Secret Invasion. Wait till I get started on this. <laughs> oh yeah, well go ahead. We are here. You can finally let loose about Op. Opie, Opie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Oppenheimer. So just uh, initial initial thoughts about this film because this is so much to to un- unpack with it, and it um it, it was a one of those movies, quite frankly, that just is staying with me, and it's just been a long time since I've had a film stick with me for where I'm where, you know, at least once a day I'm like thinking about it and like and 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 going down like rabbit holes as far as like fact and fiction and what's you know what's true about this man's story and and the Manhattan Project and, and you know and and just you know so from 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 that standpoint as far as just having an impact how impactful Oppenheimer was for me as a viewer. Uh, to look at something that was, you know, a, a clear 
moment in history where, you know, we had a world before the bomb and a world after the bomb. And then thinking that now to things in present day, uh, where the, you know, the, the shadows of some of those things that, that were going on during the second world war and the cold war and other things are, are, are we're seeing it play out and the questions of, technology and, and science and, you know, things with AI and, you know, the proper, you know, how things can be, can be used or how it can be abused. I mean, all those things that this, that really for me, just got me just thinking. Um, and, 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 uh, and, you know, when I left the theater, I, I, you know, that, that ending sequence where, Sheer thought that, like, you know, when that first thing first went on, they could have united the whole, the whole damn thing, the whole damn planet. And also, it, you know, living in the shadow of a world where these things are still around and just like, what, you know, just one snafu and we could all be gone. It just, I don't know. It, it just definitely, like I said, it's just definitely something that, that it just is a film that, that makes if you it, that just that stays with you if you really just like take it take it for what it is and then just you know from a filmmaking standpoint Nolan um you know I think it's definitely one of his one of his best films uh, you know well I know we'll get to our rankings later but uh, just from the art from an artistic standpoint um and what he was trying to achieve I think he he he, he definitely uh, it. it if, if his goal was to make it, make the audience think and ponder about life and death and war and our place in, in, in science and how science, how policy and can be influenced by, um, good, bad, in between things like McCarthyism and other things like that. I mean, he, in my opinion, he succeeded. So those are my just quick, quick thoughts to start us off about Oppenheimer. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So I'm, I, I went with my dad. My dad is a big history person. My dad is very judgmental of films yeah. and you think I have a bad suspension of dis disbelief. He has it worse. Mm. Um, and he, he loves Dunkirk, which mm. is the only other historical film that Nolan has put out. Um, and he loved it. And we walk out of the theater. He loved Oppenheimer. He, mm-hmm. uh, he going into it, he had his, he, his worries. Um, but, but during it and after I could tell that it's very historically accurate from everything he told me. He's a huge history buff. Like I can't mm-hmm. overemphasize this. Yeah. Um, and he, he, like what you said, is also now going down rabbit holes. He sent me a lot of different things, and I'm like, Dad, I watched the movie, too. I remember you sent me a message yeah. earlier in the week. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so I feel like he's with you, Will, and I'm, like, right underneath there, where I, I think this is a wonderful movie. I think it is one of Nolan's better movies. Um I do have to admit, I have to admit, I did not walk out questioning everything that Will just said. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It did not hit me in that way because 
I'm all, I'm just fascinated by Nolan. Mm-hmm. So I do have to admit, I spent a lot of the movie being like, like I'm engaged, but I'm like, so, so why, why did he pick black and white? Like, mm. what is going on here? Why, why, what's with the sound design going? Why, yeah. why is it being shot from this angle? Like, yeah, like, I did too. I did too. I, I spent so much time with that that I didn't, I still leave, I leave, I leave this film like I do with virtually all Nolan films where I'm like, that, that was a very well made movie. Yeah. I, I liked it. But the more I think about it, do the, the characters, they, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. Like he still he still hasn't hit that that movie that moves me like mm. at my soul. Like yeah. the there there's not enough emotion. Yeah. Um there there's something still very cold, but yeah. but yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Um I think there I think there's much more but but he tries so hard, and I think he's nearly there because this movie is the close, closest we've got in it. Like I heard, he wrote the screenplay in first person. Mm. I can um, see that. He wanted some this movie to be as much as it can through Oppenheimer's eyes. Yeah. Um. Which which is just crazy to me, considering yeah, this is Oppenheimer's movie, but. But you got a strong B storyline character here with Strauss. And yeah. Strauss, during the third act and throughout the movie, he, like, takes over where I, I've heard criticism that people think that the third act is, like, tacked on and feels like yeah. a different movie. And I'm like, he ain't paying attention. <laughs> he yeah. ain't paying attention. Strauss is there the whole time. He is from the very, very, very yeah. Again, he is a presence throughout that film, especially because the the stage was set whenever they were at the events institute when Oppenheimer and Einstein were standing, you know, were having a conversation by the pond. Yeah. And we yeah, saw that pond like five billion times. We saw that pond. Yeah. And and then I mean, it, you're right. So I agree with you. The, the people who say that 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 say that final that the last hour of the film is attacked on to it. No, it, it's not. It's it's just. It it really it has its explosion in mm-hmm. that third act. Yeah. Like Oppenheimer's, I think I think where where some of the criticism is is where or some of this thinking that the third act doesn't make sense or doesn't feel like the same movie is because you have viewers who go into this being like, okay, Trinity test. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. We're all here to see the bomb explode. And I'm like, that's not what this movie is about. It's not exactly. called a Trinity test. This is about Oppenheimer. So yeah, we're going to spend the beginning of the movie when he's like a potential serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to do that. We're going to spend a lot of time in trains. We're going to see him make friends, go out on dates and, and then we'll get to the Trinity test. But we're also going have we have also been spending a lot of time at this confirmation hearing. So I found this movie to be very interesting in terms of the cast is huge. Mm-hmm. 
the cast is like, I can't say it enough. It's just huge. It is. The yeah. names of the people who I didn't even think were going to be, uh, were, were in, Rami Malik is in it. Yeah. And, and, and they like tease you because he's in it for five seconds, barely says a word. And then he has an out, uh, standout mount moment at the end. Yep. And, and I think the genius here is every character. There's a purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk a lot about supporting casts and how like supporting casts aren't used. And, and this is just, it's, it's too much about the main character. We have a movie called Oppenheimer. We spend a lot of time with Oppenheimer, yeah. <laughs> but the supporting casts are all used in such a way that, I mean, it is a chain reaction. Like every yeah. interaction, everything comes back and it all makes sense and it, and it all gets connected in, um, a very historical facts based and also a very entertaining way. Yeah. 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 That was the thing that kept me at the edge of my seat because this, this was could easily have gone the way of a very dry and I, I boring film but i mean the pacing of it and the entertainment the the story that it was telling and and, and you know and, and i know some another criticism of is people saying that it was not a not a, a very non-linear storytelling and and, and and I know that some of that is just the way Nolan does his films. I mean, I know. Yeah, that. I'm gonna say those people have not seen every yeah. Nolan movie. Right. They, they're. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that as being a criticism, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's part of just not being familiar with his 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 style. But but I but to me that was also a very strong element of keeping you engaged. Because and and also going from the black and white to the color to the various shades and and to one just to sort of help you help frame and contextualize where Oppenheimer was in his life uh, as far and during those moments, but also the going between the black and white and the color was also to your point about the Strauss story being such a strong B story with this film. It was also showing how Strauss saw the world. As far as, you know, he had a very black and white viewpoint on things to the point where, you know, he took Oppenheimer, you know, he, 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 you know, he, 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 you know, he, he was really thinking that he was sort of in control, control of these scientists <laughs> and control of this narrative here. But actually, he, you know, he, he wasn't. And also, um, he also was a very, you know, and this was also just a story of, but about two men's arrogance and also in their hubris with both Strauss and Oppenheimer. And so. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. Yo, I just wanted to add in there that I, I, 
I get the whole idea that it's black and white because that's how Strauss views the world. I don't buy that 100% just because mm. of the similarities between him and Oppenheimer. Mm. Both of them. Shades of gray. Are No, it's not shades of gray. Both of them are so much, whether it's Strauss in control of the scientists, like the man who's pulling the strings or it's Oppenheimer as the creator of the atomic bomb. Both of them have this, this desire to push forward to do this. And it's ultimately their own downfall. Mm-hmm. Like their own arrogance leads, leads them to clouds their views mm-hmm. um, of what's, what's happening, even though Oppenheimer knows like how this works um, while while um, how this is going to play out. He still does it, you mm-hmm. know, because he still feels in in control up until the point the project's done. Sayonara. We'll see yep. you later. Yep. Yeah. And then and then it's this realization. Well, I knew what the world was going to do with this, but now it's definitely out of my hands. I don't know if I thought this all the way. <laughs> like I was warned. I just I didn't I thought it would always be and then Strauss he like finds himself in this position. Um but I feel like with Strauss he almost sees Oppenheimer and and once wants to be buddy buddy but the moment he realizes that it isn't going to happen he can't he can't pull that string with Oppenheimer mm-hmm. and he sees how Oppenheimer easily um easily is able to play Strauss's game that's yeah. when he becomes more manipulative um but i think there's way too much parallelism between them i mean they're perfect foils they are yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are perfect foils. I mean, it, it yeah, cuz I mean that I mean yeah, cuz they're both, it's weird how they're both protagonists and antagonists of, uh, and and I think that's and I think that's what Nolan was really trying to really trying to show um with their interactions in, in this film. I mean, and again looking at you know events pre-bomb post post Trinity test right. and bomb, you know, cuz you know with the whole you know, whenever they were on the Atomic Energy Commission and and trying to, you know, there was a whole sequence there in the in the in the dinner table and yeah. all the people, you know, men talking, mm-hmm. and 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 I, and I can't. I'm trying to remember like where in the sequence of things where Oppenheimer's in that one hearing with a a the AEC and. He, you know, he makes a statement in the in the meeting, and then you know, from that point forward, Strauss is just like pissed off at him. Yeah, that that gets a little bit hazy for me. Yeah. There, I I think this is a very well edited movie, and I and I love that it's not linear lin, linear storytelling. Um, just because I think if it had been, it would have been just any other biopic. Right. Um, but. But Nolan, of course, uses his what he does best and manages it to tell it in a very exciting way um, by cross cutting. But 
he also manages there's there's a few spots where where that it's like okay well in sequence when did this conversation mm-hmm. happen versus this conversation versus this conversation right. because and, it it gets a bit jumbled yeah um, and that's yeah and so whenever they're having that the men talking sequence around that table that is one place and I know my wife and I are talking about that too because she we, we both were trying to figure out like where all I think that happened after though. Yeah, yeah. Because Strauss already had it in for him during yeah. that scene. Like right. he it's almost as though he was coming and I I wanna say that the hearing happened before mm-hmm. and he was using this opportunity at the dinner table to take back control and take yeah. back his power that he got taken away by like saying you guys, um, somebody leaked. Okay. Yeah, what, and yeah. it's not yeah, coming from these three other sites. It's coming from your site because I say so. Yeah. yeah. Which it did, but. Which it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Now that we're talking about it, that, that makes sense. I think, yeah. And, and that's, you know, that, that's where the sometimes editing choices that Nolan makes, like Trent, like for example, Tenet, where, where it, 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 it can jumble up, um, but that's why people want to rewatch these things. Yeah. Is because you want to see what you, you didn't pick up on the first time. Mm-hmm. I think in a way, I, again, if you walk out not, not still questioning timelines, questioning this, it just makes the re, the potential rewatchability yeah. that much more higher, which is a good thing. Granted, yeah. it's a freaking three hour movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's three hours, but I did not feel it. I, I really, you know, normally I could be like, yeah, you could trim a 10 minute, five minutes here, whatever. I mean, every, I will say with the exception of the, the big flaw for me, obviously, well, at least from the flaw, the big flaw for me was just the, how they use Gene and the, the Florence B scenes, uh, with, with, as Gene, uh, but, uh, huh? Uh, well, the two sex scenes, I, I just, you know, that's where the coldness of, of Nolan comes through. Was it was it the sex scene in the interrogation? The sex scene in the interrogation, I, 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 I understand the intent of what he was trying to show, the fishbowl and everything and the vulnerability and being ripped, you know, exposed and yeah. in that. Yeah, I just didn't feel like. It, but the execution to me just did not still did, didn't work for me. It just didn't. Oh, I see. I, I like the interrogation scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was very well done. And in fact, one of the, my dad's concerns were about the sex scenes. Cause he's like, mm-hmm. why do they need to put nudity in it? Like, and I told him like, it's Nolan. There's a reason. As soon as that one played, he looked at me and said, Okay, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. The first one, but, yeah. But yeah. The, but I agree. Like we saw Florence, she only had about five scenes, and yet I feel like majority of them she was nude the entire time. Yeah. So I I don't mind it because it was so minimal. Um, yeah, it's not from a and and I like yeah. the interrogation scene, and I think maybe maybe if if. There was so much lust between those two yeah. that maybe that's why he made the decision to because he wanted. 
I don't know, but we don't we don't have to go that much further into it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. Like, I mean, that was those were the only. I mean, as far as like, I mean, like, and it's not from a prudish standpoint. I just didn't feel like it added anything to to what he was trying to convey there. Yeah, I think in terms of runtime, I actually do think you could probably shave a a bit of it off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I disagree. I wouldn't wouldn't put it too much. I will be honest, I was late to the movie (laughs) (laughs) because my whole infuriation about 20 minutes of previews, okay, we cut it really close, too close, because I think I missed about the good first five or ten minutes. Um, but, but I, I, I like stayed throughout the rest. I didn't look at my clock, my watch once. Um, mm-hmm. and I was engaged the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, but I do think some of the slower parts and upon rewatches, you might notice some things where it's like, we didn't need to stare at that for two minutes. You could have yeah. taken, we could have had a minute here. Stay, like small things, not complete scenes completely right. removed. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. The but, another cast member I just want to point out here because it bothered me. It well, it didn't bother me, but I'm watching this movie, and this guy comes on, and I look at him and I say, "Huh, Ari, you're not Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> you're not Chris Hemsworth." And then I was like, "There's three Hemsworths. You're not Liam, so you must be the other one." I watched the entire freaking movie thinking this was the other, not Chris, <laughs> not Liam, the other Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking about. Josh Hartnett. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he looks like a Hemsworth, and I'm not okay with this. <laughs> I, I, did, I, I Honestly, I have to say, I did not realize that was Josh Hartnett either. Uh, I was like... I was like, I know this face. I didn't think it was a Hemsworth, but I was like, who? I was like, who is this? And then I saw the credits. I was like, you've got to be shitting me. It's Josh Hartnett. Oh, yeah. His, his, Lewis was, I love that character too, because I mean, that was another thing where, you know, you had the, the science and the politics and the policy because, you know, the, you know, you know, you know, clearly Oppenheimer was like, he wasn't a, you know, he was left leaning. But I don't think he was ever a full blown communist. But oh, uh, he had commitment issues. But he had, yeah, he definitely had commitment <laughs> issues for sure. But yeah, but I, I did. That was another aspect of the story that I did like too, because it was a show, you know, and and, and really just added added depth to to the story that they were telling. You know, that again, when you get to that last hour, having all that backstory and context does does make those interrogation scenes and, and every, the, the, as far as with the security clearance resonate so much more because, you know, you, you do have that, that. Well, he did it to himself and he did it to himself. Yeah. Like it wasn't. Like, yeah. Yeah. Fra- Strauss put together the kangaroo court. Mm-hmm. However, he, he wouldn't have anything if there wasn't anything there. Right. Like you, you made all these decisions. There was even the story that involved Casey Affleck, where oh gosh, that was another. That was is, a, 
Yeah, which is another one that nobody was suspecting or knew mm. was in the movie, at least as far as I know. Yeah. But where he he lies and he even admits, like, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it was a stupid thing to do. Yep. And so he it's it's like a self-sabotage yeah. um, that occurs. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew all along that Strauss, like the moment he talked about, I forget the other guy who he was trying to point the finger out as to blame for, for Oppenheimer's downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, but the moment he had that conversation with his staffer, I, um, I was like, okay, it was obviously you, yeah. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to that. Um, but yeah, uh, Robert Downey Jr. I yeah. think will get a nomination. I hope he wins. I, I hope so too. This I I love Killian Murphy. He does great. Mm-hmm. He this is a big role for him. I'm sure he's going to get nominated. He has a, a good chance of winning. Yeah. However, I am also I feel like I've seen Killian Murphy play this role at least 5 times. See. Um yeah. Because I watched Peaky Blinders. Okay. 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 Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, and, and, but Robert Downey Jr. and just his celebrityness of it, like, he, I, I can't not associate his face with him being who he is. At the same time, he, he managed to very much, I wouldn't say completely, like, get lost in the role, but he, he did really well. And I, because I felt like I was watching an evil Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. Just fun. I was like, you are an evil. And then you're not even that evil. You're just Tony Stark Stark playing the villain of the, in this other person's story. Um, but, but yeah. Um, oh, Oh, I know who else I wanted to talk about. And another person who I did not know. There's so many people I did not know was going to be in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just people, but also historical figures. Like I had no idea Einstein would show up like three times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then we get Truman mm-hmm. and I watched oh, yeah. the scene with Truman. I didn't know it was Gary Oldman until way after. And I was like, We'll talk. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene, because I've heard some like interesting dissections of that scene. Mm-hmm. He, he was not, he was, he did not hand, I just want to clarify for people. He did not, in my opinion, um, he did not hand the, the cloth to Oppenheimer saying like, or, or as like in a kindly way of like, here, here you go. No, no, because this movie is about ego. Mm-hmm. And Truman in that scene, that one scene showed he had the biggest ego of them all because now he's president mm-hmm. and he dropped the bomb. He pushed the button. He gave the order. So the victory is his and also the killing of all those people. But he doesn't care about that because it's not his people. So I just saw heard some mixed things and I'm like, ah, that bothers me because I don't think that's right. Um, that's the right interpretation of what's going on there. Yeah. Um, 
But but at the end of the day, this movie is not necessarily like the movie. What I found also to be interesting, Will, mm-hmm. is this is a historical movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of events that play out that are history. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who mm-hmm. pop up, mm-hmm. even name drops. JFK called it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yet, yet it's not about necessarily any one event. I mean, Hit- somebody, um, Hitler dies off camera because this isn't a World War II movie. No. This, uh, this isn't also a McCarthyism movie or a movie about that time, um, about McCarthyism. It's about a chain reaction a chain of events Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. took us from the middle from losing a war to to finding the building the weapon to win the war only to have the the main enemy of why we were building the weapon they suddenly lost but we still have this weapon and we want to show off so there you go Uh, and then and then the fallout, which which is also the fallout is just now it's the chain will continue because yeah. now there are more weapons, which will lead to more wars and more and just survival. Um, it, it's triggered the survival instinct yeah. in a lot I of like, the world. Leaders. I, I like the analogy you used there, chain reaction, because yeah. that was another because that was another visual thing that I thought Nolan did well with, with, with showing the reactions in the, you know, in the, in the site, you know, the interplaying with the waves and, and the atoms and everything, because, because you're right. I mean, that this, this was a story about chain reactions and how one thing bouncing into another led to like, you know, to multiple cascading impacts. Mm-hmm. On so many levels. And, right. and, you know, and, and especially when you think into the science and, you know, I just have a very rudimentary thing as far as quantum mechanics and those kind of, you know, physics and those kind of things. But, but, you know, that's, you know, we, we consider all the things that were going on there and, and, and how it, you know, one event led one, yeah. You know, the reaction of, like as we called before, Oppenheimer's decision to hang out with people who are politically problematic, and then it led to him losing a security clearance down the road, and and, and so many things, and Truman, and all, and, and that that you know, pushing the bomb, thinking blood on your hands, and then, and yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's, I think that's what's, that's why I was saying earlier how this film just sticks with you because it is, you know, when you think about what transpired there in the in in that with the Manhattan Project and the ramifications of it and some of the thing and the questions that even at that time and they were showing that in the room when the generals were trying to figure out which which city in took in, in Japan to bomb mm-hmm. and like you know and 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 and, and, it, and it came down to well we're not going to do Kyoto because my wife went on vacation there. <laughs> and, right. And, and the selfishness of 
But they, you notice, they did not yeah. really, yeah. Th- that scene was incomplete because we never went back and how um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki were determined. Right. Because because that doesn't yeah. matter. Like, it's very interesting, mm-hmm. the the decisions that they do show and the ones that are just done off camera. And and I th- I feel like there's intention behind <laughs> those choices because yeah. because we've seen so many movies with the glorification of war and the glorification mm-hmm. of these events yeah. that lean the other way. Well, like and and um, I know you mentioned before how you you saw Dunkirk, mm-hmm. um, which I compare these two movies as Dunkirk. It's called Dunkirk. It's about the event itself. And it's about that one day, that one hour, what there's three different storylines I think happening, but, but you also don't get attached to any character. I don't think any characters named. I I feel like it's been a while since I've watched it, but it's about that event and that sequence Mm -hmm. uh, played out through three different perspectives versus this movie we get all the names, yeah. too many names. I still can't real. I I go back and forth between character name and actor name. I'm yeah, like, I do too. Yeah, because it's like yeah, like Benny Safdie Teller. I mean, he right. wanted the case bomb. I mean, you know, this, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But this is about Oppenheimer, and then and like a series of events. Mm-hmm. So it's they're they're like second cousins. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Movie wise. Yeah. Um, that I think is really interesting. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many things, and we can't, you know, a, another storyline that I, I don't want to, I definitely want to bring up too is, um, you know, Oppenheimer's wife and, and cause, and Emily uh, Blunt's performance there, and especially during, I mean, all throughout, I mean, just, one, you know, how they met, you know, she was already, you know, she was married in a loveless marriage and, and how they basically, you know, basically worked together to like arrange their, their marriage as far as planning that out. But then, but then this, even after she realized that whenever he went to San Francisco, I mean, she knew, I mean, she knew about Gene and there, and, and, and whenever Gene, Committed suicide or was murdered. That was a kind of ambiguous thing that they kind of left there because, I mean, there is, there are, you know, there are questions about what, whether or not there was foul play with Gene's, with Gene's death. And, and when we see that scene where, you know, Robert Fink finds out about it and, but, and how she's like, you know, you got, you have a job to do here. There, there, I guess. You know, and then of course the interrogation later, as far as the wild card, like you know, they thought that like because of all the things that they've exposed with this man, we're gonna like turn his, we're gonna flip his wife, and then she just like gets up there and 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 defends, not well, yeah, she she completely like stands up and is like, no, you know, yeah, I know this man has his flaws, but damn it, I'm sticking by him. Right. Well, and, and, and I just, he was but, interrogating her about her life more. And her, yeah, and her life, yeah, and, and, and yeah, but try to, you know, try to like impeach her to like and and pull up all her faults and stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
to like. Well, you know, it, it also wasn't a court. Him. Yeah. We're not here for persecution. We're here for denial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's but it. I just, yeah. I, but but I all throughout know. that, I I just felt that she was a, you know, because thinking back to some other Nolan films, sometimes female, you know, he he sometimes doesn't portray women very well, you know, as far as getting the most out of his actresses. But I felt that Emily Blunt and what he got out of her and what. You know, instead of sit, instead of being the dutiful wife, just sort of sitting back there holding the purse and like all hearing all this shit, she she was she had agency. She had uh, she was a force to be reckoned with just as much as Robert Oppenheimer was, and I and I really got that from her performance and and from the direction in this film. I I don't know. I I think she had one good scene. Um, was, yeah. But I, I, yeah, I mean, it was one good scene, but also even like thinking back to like whenever they went with their young son and like. No, I, I know like yeah. she had more than one scene. Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, to me, I don't feel like I think besides the interrogation scene, mm-hmm. everything else we saw glimpses and potential. Like we, I don't think there, w- there was enough to that was explored with her in terms of writing. Mm. Like it's nothing about Emily Blunt's performance. I mean, it's Emily yeah. Blunt. It's just like, yeah. I'm not going to say anything bad about Florence Pugh's performance, but then again, I don't think she's a standout because her character wasn't given that much weight. So right. I actually think um, I would, I would beg the differ. And I still think that Nolan has an issue with writing for female characters okay. because yeah. I, don't, I, would- I think, yeah, the female yeah. characters, there were few and far between, and none of them carried a big, like, arc. Because at one point, she's an alcoholic. Yeah. And that's hardly ever touched on. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. They're, yeah. Like, it's just alluded to. It's alluded so. to. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, as far as how she was introduced and stuff, I mean, I, I guess. Between the two, between Jean and, and, and Ms. Oppenheimer, I definitely, I think, I do feel that she got more to do. Right. And, and, and I felt at least at the time, and I still feel like she, you know, and, and I know it was just one scene, but I think there were just elements spread earlier on in the film that like, the, what makes that scene work is because I felt like at least I got more out, more out of her than just that she was an alcoholic. And, and, and when they were out in Los Alamos and having those conversations as far as, uh, her, her background and her history, as far as her, her prior marriages and stuff, um, it just, it just, and then, and then also like whenever, whenever Oppenheimer's was like a collapse in a mess when he finds out about Jean and how she handled that situation. Um, when, when she found him, you know, huddled over there in the corner of the, by the rock or wherever it was, all those, you know, t- the totality of those things building up is where I felt that that was a very strong character for me. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Oh uh, boy. I mean, there's, I mean, we could go for, we could, we could we talk could for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Forget about that. laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I think, I mean, there's, like I said, there's so many, so many places where this film could go. I mean, we, and uh, we, where we could go with this, but I think we hit most of a lot of the big ones. And, you know, and, and I think you are correct in what you said earlier, Sarah, that, 
this film in a way because of the editing choices and and um and and other things it it definitely even with his long runtime um it's definitely very rewatchable because every time you 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 approach it you will find something different and and piece things together in the story that maybe maybe the first time you watched it you missed because it is it is so much quite frankly that that is being presented there yeah um it is three hours long so rewatchability maybe an hour at a time yeah 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 it definitely will be broken up (laughs) i i think i think that it um i think people should see this in the theater it's a beautifully shot movie Mm -hmm. um i did see it in imax i'm not about the price of that though um and but but i i I, it's i can't i can't say it enough it's it's very beautifully shot yeah yeah. um and the sound mix scene is one of the better in his filmography i still had trouble hearing or understanding what people characters were saying at the very beginning of the movie but then eventually that stopped um I think overall, this is probably in the top three, like mm-hmm. best Nolan movies. Um, and the cast delivered what, whatever they were given. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased and I'm more pleased that my history buff of a father enjoyed <laughs> this movie because I, I, I don't know. Sometimes when I see movies with him, like, like he makes or breaks me. (laughs) (laughs) Like if he doesn't, if he doesn't like it, I never hear the end of it. Um, granted he hated the flash. (laughs) Um, so on that note, Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Will M Polk, W I L L M P O L K and also follow our, uh, blur trick, uh, handle again at snn blur trek yes and will is keeping track of who's following that account just to put out <laughs> that reminder um and you can follow me on twitter at sj belmont sjblmont please follow our crew on twitter at scene and nerd friend us on facebook follow us on instagram and visit and threads at scene underscore n underscore nerd and visit our website www.seenandnerdpodcast.com but most importantly rate follow and comment on apple Podcasts, spotify youtube or wherever your podcast good night geek out you're welcome <laughs> <laughs>